this. This was the big phrase. We must see our life start to finish rather than failure to failure. Most importantly, for the people who grew up in church and have a religious background, this is an about face to most of the things that we were taught. Many of us were taught to be good little boys and good little girls and to be that as long as we possibly could until we failed and then to hide that failure as long as we possibly could until somebody found out about it and then the religious community would send us back to start. Anybody else grow up in church? But here's the thing. Churches may have required that of us, but God does not. God is willing to, out of his grace and love, meet us in the valley and lovingly move us back onto the path, not at start, but right where we left off. The big point for that week was the ground that we have gained because of the blood of Jesus Christ over our stories must never be compromised because of the shame that the enemy delivers to us. We refuse to go back to start. We jump right back on the path where we left off because it wasn't under our own power that we were achieving what we were in our lives anyway. It was because of the fuel of Jesus Christ and we have access to that any time we need it. It sounds so sensational because it is. Week three and maybe most importantly, as much as it hurts me to do this, to admit this, Austin probably had the best teaching of this series where he reminded us of this big phrase, brace yourself, our fight is not against difficulty, but rather against division. Let me say that louder for the people in the back. Our fight is not against difficulty, but rather against division. To put it plainly and biblically, the Bible says it's beautiful when people who love God get along. It's equally as heinous and difficult to watch when people who love God do not get along. Who should be on the same team but operate, even in their circumstances, as enemies. Austin properly remind us that this doesn't mean that we always agree. Thank God. If that were the prerequisite, who could be a Christian? We will disagree, but we will stick together, not only when we disappoint each other, but also when we disagree with each other, we will stick together. How do we do that? In every circumstance, we view the person in that circumstance with us as a child of God, covered in the love of Jesus Christ over their very soul. We may disagree, but that doesn't mean that we have to separate. I'm going to pause and let that sink in. Here's what we're saying together today. As the enemy sows seeds of division, this community will take a blanket and throw it over those seeds of division to deprive them of the oxygen and light that they need to take root and to grow. Let me pause here and say something that could be a little controversial. I just keep trying to risk my job here. Isn't that true? Here's the thank you. You don't happen to run a company in case I need something or someplace to work. <laughs> Listen, I make, I make a joke of it because it's so difficult to say, but, but I've had God visit me with this knowledge this week, and I must share it, no matter what it costs all of us. If you are to see things from a spiritual perspective, then you will see that beyond question, the enemy has used division as his primary tactic to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ in the state of Mississippi. Let me explain what I mean by even saying the state's name. It gets a little uncomfortable here, doesn't it? 
If you look back over our history, the enemy has used division and it's in our present for this one reason because it hasn't stopped working. If God's fingerprints are on his creation, which they most certainly are, then the enemy's fingerprints are on his plan of destruction for that same creation. In our area, division has been the method of choice for the enemy. I can tell you, based on some sleepless nights from multiple staff members just last night, this is something the enemy does not want spoken out loud, but we're doing it anyway. Let me prove it to you. Division has been the enemy's method of choice. Let me just roll these out. We ask people questions like this. Are you Republican or Democrat? Are you rich or poor? Are you public or private? Are you black or white? You hear the language of division? Are you Baptist or Methodist or all those other denominations that matter even less? Here's a new one that's moved in, a new way that we can judge each other. It's so new and fresh we can tell because of the emotion that comes with it. Do you believe in masks or don't you? How about this one? Hey, did you get the shot or didn't you? We have two brand new categories through which to judge one another. And the enemy is having a field day. But here's some good news. Man, that was tough. I'm ready for the good news, aren't you? The good news is that over the last few months, the tide has started to turn here at Vertical. We've entered into a pattern that actually you can view in nature. It's been established since the beginning that the things that God created that need the light to grow will actually bend toward the light to get more of it so they can grow and be healthy. And that's exactly what's happening inside Vertical Church. And we're not doing this perfect and sometimes we're not even doing it well. But I have to announce inside of this room that so many of us are trying in these dark and desperate days to bend more towards the light than towards the darkness. Jesus famously once said this in John chapter 8 verse 12. I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Do you see that? It's journey language. Jesus understood and needed to communicate to us in John chapter 8. You are always headed somewhere. Jesus is reaching into our story and saying, I just want to encourage you. If you're going somewhere, you need to take me with you. Because if you do, you will not be forced to struggle through the things that darkness will bring, both externally and internally. You won't have to struggle in those things alone. I can't pretend to understand why God doesn't just take those things away instantly, but rather he sends his son to journey with us through the darkness. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the source and I'm the leader. I just want to encourage you to follow me. The destination, Jesus says, life. If you want life, you will follow me. So we've taken on the challenge to start this together in this series, a long obedience in the same direction, following Jesus for as long as possible until we take our last breath. We are choosing life and we're choosing life to the full. You know why? Because Jesus says it's available in John 10, 10. It's why he showed up to right the world so that we could have life, not some point in the future, but right now today, this afternoon, you can have life to the full. Actually, we're going to celebrate this next week. Do you guys, are you aware that Easter is next week? How did that happen? 
Today is Palm Sunday where we're celebrating Jesus coming in as a king and announcing what's going to happen. Different than the expectations, but next week we don't celebrate a dead Jesus. We celebrate an alive Jesus. We're not getting together next week to weep about the cross. We're getting together to shout for joy about the empty tomb and the fact that Jesus is alive right now. As the Bible says, he's run ahead of us and taking up his spot so that he can advocate for us to have life to the full. And you know how we're going to celebrate that? Through an awesome church service and tons of free crawfish. Don't ask me how that all came to be. It just, it just happened, right? So invite people for Jesus and crawfish. Why not? So we've saved the most difficult song for last. As challenging as these psalms of ascent have been, the journey songs where people were traveling to worship God and many of them had to go through a treacherous journey for many days and nights to get there. They had these songs to sing to one another and we have saved the most difficult for last. It is the song of joy. Now, even as I say that word, I need to clear up some confusion, just like we did last week when we were talking about unity and getting along. We have to describe what joy isn't before we can talk about what joy is. Here's a phrase. See if this resonates with your story. I've been taught, maybe you've been taught, to believe that joy is the absence of pain. That makes sense, doesn't it? How could you have joy if you also have pain? It makes sense that what we've been taught is that to have joy in our life, we have to remove the things that hurt so that we can be happy. And the world has capitalized on this transaction, on this formula. By the way, this is the story of every addiction ever. Let me break it down how this works. What once destroyed the pain eventually only dulls the pain. View it this way, if you were running a lap around a track, 400 meters, and you take something to dull the pain, by the time you hit about 350, you're on the home stretch and you can see the finish line, the pain starts to come back. And then by the time you get to where you started, the pain is equally there as it was when you started the first time. So you take something else to dull the pain. It destroys the pain. Eventually, it only dulls the pain as we build up a tolerance. And then this is what happens. What only dulls the pain eventually destroys us. Those of you gathered in this room, both man and woman who have fallen prey to sexual addiction, you understand exactly what this is like. Those of you who have fallen prey to taking pills to make the pain go away, you understand exactly what this is like. All you Christian perfectionists that have lived your life trying to make everybody happy and believe that you're a good little boy and good little girl, don't you also know what this is exactly like? But thank God, Jesus See, our lack of joy isn't really the problem. All of us lack joy. It's the way we try to obtain it that gets us in trouble. We attempt to drag it into our lives, and there is the issue. I'd like to read a quote by Eugene Peterson. He actually wrote the book, A Long Obedience, that's been the inspiration for this entire series, A Very Smart Man, as this quote is about to prove. A common but futile strategy for achieving joy is trying to eliminate things that hurt. Get rid of pain by numbing nerve ends. Get rid of insecurity by eliminating risk. Get rid of, I'm going to read this one slow. Get rid of disappointment by depersonalizing your relationships. Everyone's the enemy. Everyone's canceled. Then, 
try to lighten the boredom of such a life by buying joy in the form of vacations and entertainment. Can we just all say together, ouch, this man's dead now. Doesn't it sound like he wrote this this morning right before church started? He continues, thankfully, by pointing out the alternative. And I think as you read this, you'll believe with me he's exactly right. One of the most interesting and remarkable things Christians learn is that laughter does not exclude weeping. Christian joy is not an escape from sorrow. Pain and hardship still come, don't they? But they're unable to drive out the happiness of the redeemed. Now, redeemed is a big church word. Let me break that down for you. At its most basic definition, what it really means is to be rescued, specifically to be rescued by God. What a beautiful word picture. In our lives, pain and hardship will come. The enemy will come into our stories wielding pain and wielding hardship, and he will be confused why they are not effective until he sees Jesus in us. Isn't it a beautiful picture that the things that the enemy does to us don't drive out our joy? Have you ever met someone like this? You hear their story and you think of all the things that you have been through. There's no way that your joy is actually real. Am I the only skeptic in the room? You meet someone who evidences joy in their life in spite of all of their circumstances. And I just have to ask the question, is this actually possible? Could you actually live this way? My answer to you very directly is without God, no. Never in a million years could you accomplish joy in light of the things that you're probably already living through or are going to face in the future. This is just too important for me to sugarcoat this. If you're choosing to live a life with disregard to God, not paying attention to the principles that he has in the Bible, then nothing that I say for you today will actually apply or help. You're going to need God. The world around you and inside you are just too evil to be tamed by good intentions or intelligence. You're going to need a power outside of yourself to take in to battle. Allow me to step aside, if that's okay, and let Jesus interject. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 26, Is it possible? Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Now the Christians in the room that have been hearing that their whole lives, I just want to encourage you to pause and hear that in light of the life that you have lived so far. Is it possible? I don't think so, but with God, everything is possible. Is it possible for you to defeat addiction without God? I don't think so, but with God, everything is possible. Is it possible for your family to unite even though they've been divided either recently or in history? Without God, I don't think so, but with God, everything is possible. Is it possible for everyone in 39110 to be a believing Christian because they've experienced the freedom and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Without God, I don't think so. But with God, everything is possible. There he, is he, you out there? With God, everything is possible. Thankfully today, as we run up against a teaching, a song of joy, 
God did not leave us screaming at a distance saying, good luck with that. Let's all just hope that it works out. No, he gives us a pattern, a formula, something to follow, a progression. And this formula, I'm proud to say in front of you today, is life proof. It's Psalm 126. We've already read it together today, but I'm going to read it again because I want to make sure for this community that it sinks in. You ready? We laughed. We sang. We could not believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now, God, do it again. See, just like obedience, joy has a history. There are people who have gone before us that have faced impossible circumstances and still they have retained their joy. And if they did it by the power of God, we also can do it. To see the true story of what's going on here as this man wrote this song. I love when someone writes a good song, don't you? As he wrote this song, he included time in the lyrics Over the next just few minutes, we're going to roll through what that looks like. In this song, we have the past, the present, and the future of joy. Let me show you what I mean. It's very easy once someone points it out to you. Let's start with the past. We've even changed the slide so you can pick up on where the past is alluded to. Listen to the language. We laughed. We sang. We couldn't believe our good fortune. Back then, not right now, back then we did these things. Back then we were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. Let me just take a second to teach to the Jesus followers in the room. By the way, if you're here and you're not following Jesus or you're investigating God, we are elated that you are here. You are extremely welcome, and we want you to see what it's like for the people of God to be held accountable by God and learn new things. Any Jesus followers in the room? I just want to talk to you briefly. You are the carriers of the resume and the reputation of God. He has chosen you to speak for him. Let that reality sink in. Psalm 107, verse 2. Has the Lord saved you, redeemed you, rescued you? Then talk about it. Tell others that he has saved you from your enemies. I want to propose to you today, Jesus follower, you only have so much time here. Your life is a blip, and in that life you only have so much time for conversation. As you're talking with other people online or in person, I just want to ask you a question. Is what you're talking about worth talking about? I want to give you a challenge. The next time the conversation starts to turn toward Biden and his stares or memes about masks, I want you to use this phrase, pay close attention. You know what I've been thinking about lately? This phrase can turn a conversation on a dime and in a caring way. You know what I've been thinking about lately? I've been thinking about how it's absolutely only God's providence that has allowed me to sit on this black stool in front of you. Of all the mistakes and all the ways that I've hidden from people that I've turned away from God, the fact that I'm sitting here on this stool is an absolute miracle. Who deserves to be a pastor? Probably a lot of people, but not this man. That's kind of what I've been thinking about lately. You see how it turns the conversation 
I encourage you to do this this next week. As you begin to have conversations with other people, let your mouth, Jesus follower, celebrate the good works of God in your life. We get to the present. We've got to zoom here to the end. Is everybody okay? The Bible continues to get to the present, and it says, we are one happy people. Tough question today. Are we? Are we a happy people? In light of what we've faced over the past year, we only have one of two options. Acknowledge what God has done in our past and drag it into our future to give us joy and a hope for what's going on later or ignore what God has done. Forget what God has done. Before you think that's laughable, open your Bible. It happens over and over and over again. Rather than remembering God, we decide that we're going to be God and we doom ourselves to a life absent of joy. We run into unnecessary and unearned and unbridled power in our own lives. So much of this has been the case in the United States even today. There seems to be no end in sight unless, unless the people of God begin to believe and act like the people of God. Before we change any branch of government, maybe we should change what's happening inside our own address. So many of us have determined to live differently at our tables and our homes so that we can convince the people around us we actually do not need political power to affect change in the United States. All we need is a group of people binding together no matter the disagreements to announce the fact that Jesus' forgiveness covers everything. Whatever the enemy brings to us to divide us will not hold. Which brings us to the future. And this part excites me because this part we can do, can't we, Vertical Church? And now, God, do it again. See, here's what I want to communicate to you today as we're wrapping up. A group of people in the teens years ago decided that they were going to meet together in a living room and pray this prayer. God, we want a church where people can feel comfortable hearing the message of Jesus Christ no matter where their story has taken them. God, will you do that? Will you please do that? There wasn't even a place yet. They were just asking that God would do it. And guess what? Announcement, tune in. You're sitting in it. So now we say, God, do it again. Bring us people from Providence and Reunion and Cherry Hill and Stone Creek and Timber Ridge and Greyhawk. Just bring them here so they can experience the freedom that you offer, the joy that you offer. And maybe, is it possible, Vertical Church, that when they walk through the doors, just like this morning, as people in that parking lot were announcing, I have never seen a group of people so welcoming and happy. How is that possible? Because we're that good? No way. Because God is doing something special in this place. How do you get joy in your story? We're almost finished. You don't earn it, you ask for it. Let me tell you how this goes. I went to Bible college for three years. Let me teach it to you. This is how it sounds. God, give me joy, amen. God, give me joy, amen. And you say that prayer over and over and over again until you start to see the evidence of it showing up in your life.
You don't have to wait on the circumstances to change because God can start doing something in your heart that leaves the circumstances behind. That's good news, isn't it? I want to close today with a prayer written by a pastor over a community that he cared so deeply about. He was eventually murdered because he was so committed to see them in person. He wrote this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. May it be so. Let's pray together. God, today has been a surprisingly fun day inside of this building. And we want to give you credit for that. The conversation is happening in the lobby, in this room, outside. You've just been all over them, and I'm so grateful. God, for those of us in this room right now that are hearing this teaching about joy, and we just can't get there because we're sowing and weeping at the same time, I just want to ask this one thing, that this afternoon we would have an unusual sense of joy that you have given us. God, give us joy. God, give us joy. Make it so, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, don't forget next week we got some free crawfish at Easter. Our regular service times will be happening on Sunday morning. We'll see you back then. Thanks for being here.